here. Acts chapter 28, let's stand together. And uh, good to see old friends. Good to see Brother Kendrick and his family. Good to see Brother Pittman. Last time I saw Brother Pittman, we were in Mexico. And Brother Simpson was 16 years old. That's the honest truth. We showed up in Port of Our Yard of that night. And Brother Moore had that group of kids. And I brought some men down. And we met y'all. And, uh, man, we stayed in that little... We stayed in that little motel. I, I, I forget exactly. We were at Nayarit at the, at the fair. And, man, we carried Bibles into that, into that, um, into that uh, little fair there. And I thought, man, did we park in Texas? And we were carrying them Bibles all the way into Mexico, it felt like, but as far as we were toting them. And I'll never forget I walked in that little shower, that motel, and I threw my towel on the sink, and the sink fell out of the wall. <laughs> And I thought, man, that towel ain't near big enough to do that. And, uh, and but my, what a time. Brother Simpson preached I, probably one of the greatest messages I've ever heard on David and Goliath in the parking lot of that hotel and at 16 years old. And you look at him and know he ain't 16 anymore. <laughs> and I'm not whatever age I was when we were there. Amen. Man, we put, laid out in the road and put springs on a van. And, um, man, you should have seen, I took four men and we were looking for hand trucks to carry those Bibles. We went out and I could speak Spanish at the time. I was fluent and went out and we called a taxi and I was, we had, I was six, five, about 300 pounds then in the neighborhood. It's a big neighborhood. <laughs> I had another man with me. He's six, six and he weighed about 375. Then I had one of my, my assistant was with Brother Nathan Nix. He's about 6'2", 285. And then Papa Bear, our bus driver, was with us. When we looked to looking for a, we went to looking for buy, we went to get some hand trucks at a hardware store. I called a cab and it was a Nissan Sentra. <laughs> that was a lot of meat to put in a Nissan Sentra. Amen. I got on there and I heard that, I heard that cabbie. I got talking to him. We got in there and you could hear the tires scrubbing. Brother David said, that man said, grande gringos, grande gringos. <laughs> I said, you need some air in the tires, praise God. <laughs> it took us 10 minutes to get out. Amen. Acts chapter number 28. You know, it's all right to smile. The Bible said, Mary Hart, and everything I just told you is the honest truth. That happened. It's all right to smile. There'll be plenty of places to cry along the way. You better smile when you can. Amen. One old preacher of the mountain said this, you better get all you can and can all you get. Amen. Acts chapter number 27. Let's begin reading in verse 37. The Bible said, and we were in all in the ship, 203 score and 16 souls. When they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and cast out the wheat into the sea. When it was day, they knew not the land, but they discovered a certain creek with a shore into which they were minded, if it were possible, to thrust in the ship. And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves unto the sea and loosed the rudder bands and hoist up the mainsail to the wind and made it toward shore. That's what we're doing. We're just making toward shore. And falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground and the forepart stuck fast and remained unmovable, but the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. And the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, 
kept them for their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land. And the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. When they were escaped, they, then they knew that the island was called Melita. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us, every one, because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat, fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom, though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly, but after that they had looked a great while and saw no harm came, come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a God. You can be seated. I want to turn your attention back to verse number three. If the Lord will help me tonight, we'll look into the text for our thought. But the Bible said, when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. As you come into the book of Acts, we, we realize that the first 10 chapters of the book of Acts deal primarily with the ministry of Peter and the brand new church that's right there in Jerusalem and all that's going on, the souls that are being saved, and the work of God that's being birthed in that church in Jerusalem. But boy, when you make to Acts chapter number 9, we are introduced, I believe, to the greatest preacher outside the Lord Jesus Christ uh, uh, that is in the word of God in the apostle Paul and you're talking about friend you and I are sitting here tonight with a King James Bible in our hand as a direct result of the ministry of the apostle Paul and may I say to you if there was anybody in the word of God that, uh, that was a faithful witness to the life changing power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ it was the the Apostle Paul uh, from the very first day that Paul met the Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus till he gave his life uh, in uh, that Roman Colosseum, friend. Uh, uh, Paul was a preacher uh, of the gospel of the grace of God. Uh, can I tell you when Saul started out on that road to Damascus, uh, he had those writings, he had those papers in his hand uh, to persecute the Christian. And when he started out on that road to Damascus, Paul uh, I thought he was the hunter. But before the day was out, the hunter became the hunted. Amen. When Paul started on that road to Damascus, he was walking in a past that corrupted him. But boy, when that great light shone from out of heaven and the angel of the Lord spoke to him, honey, he met a power that converted him. And from that point forward, he was controlled by a purpose that moved him to serve God. Uh, can I tell you what I think about the conversion of the Apostle Paul? A uh, uh, friend, it tells us uh, uh, that the most hopeless case that you can think of uh, is uh, not a hopeless case. Uh, you say, preacher, what do you mean? Well, a uh, uh, friend, if you were living, maybe some of you seniors uh, were alive during World War II. I still pastor a man, 96-year-old World War II veteran. And a uh, friend, if you were alive in the 19th 
1940s and you woke up to your paper and there would have been a headline that Adolf Hitler trusts Christ as his savior. Could you imagine the shock? Could you imagine the awe? If Brother Davidson, that was the headline of tomorrow's paper in if you were living in 1940. Can I tell you, I don't believe it was any less shocking when the Christians of that day heard that Saul had got birth into the family of God. Many years ago, 2005, we've got a man in our church, his name's Brother John. Brother John's about 6'2", 350 pounds, a big strong man, a mountain man. He was a meth addict and a meth dealer in the day. But man, God convicted him and he got born into the family of God. He went to the sheriff's office, took his drug-making paraphernalia and set it down on the sheriff's desk and he said, Sheriff, I'm done. He said, I'm done with the dope. He said, I'm done with the drug life. He said, I want you to take me to rehab. And they put him in the back of that sheriff's car and he looked to his little wife. She's about 14, weighs about 85 pounds. And Brother Jason, she looked. he looked out of that window, that patrol car. He said, Mama, they're taking me to the rehab, but I don't want rehab. He said, I need what that preacher told us three years ago. I mean, he had came to church for a month and then he was gone. He told me later, he said, man, preacher, he said, I came for four weeks. He said, you preached against everything that I love to do. And he said, man, I wasn't going to have that. But boy, old brother John got born again. Brother Mark Wheeler, the man that wrote the good song, he has. They went down to witness to him and right, they wouldn't even let them take their Bible into the rehab. And old brother John, man, they got in there and he said he wanted to get saved. Uh, brother Mark said, I've never heard anybody repent like that. Uh, he said he repented for about 15 minutes. Uh, he told the Lord everything, every fight he had been in, uh, everything he had done. Uh, brother Mark said he finally reached over and tapped him on the shoulder said, Brother John, uh, I believe it'd be all right to ask the Lord to save you now. Uh, and boy, old brother John got born again. Uh, and man, little this Jessica got saved right there. Uh, well, at that point, they started praying uh, for Miss Jessica's dad. I'm talking about a man that was a wicked man. He was a drunkard for over 40 years. I mean, he was mean to his children, put hands on his children. But Miss Jessica wanted to see her daddy get saved. Well, back in the spring, man, if you would have asked anybody in Lumpkin County, they'd have told you that Monkey Miller would have never got saved. They'd said, man, he's too far down the road. But boy, back in the spring, man, he got to, Brother John got to witness to him, father-in-law, and got to witness it to him and a man he got born again two days later he found out that he was dying with cancer I mean I'm talking about you say preacher why in the world would the Lord save somebody that was dying let me ask it to you this way why in the world would he not save somebody that was dying sometimes we get the idea that man there's something just too far but honey if he can save the apostle Paul oh brother may been a drunk for 40 years. I mean, that's all he'd done, drunk liquor and been mean and ugly and, and a crude man. He moved in with old brother John and the doctor said, you need to drink a, you need to drink a beer here a day. Your kidneys are failing. It'll help your kidneys. And old monkey said, man, I can't do that. He said, I got saved. He said, I can't do that anymore. That's what I did. 
said before I got saved, I'm telling you, we still believe in a gospel that can change a sinner. We still believe in a gospel that can take a dirty, low-down, rotten sinner, set their feet on a rock, and establish their going. Aren't you glad he still saves sinners? Amen. Our text finds Paul on the way to Rome, but to trial before Caesar. One, one writer said it this way, Acts 28 is the last page of the first chapter of Christian history. Amen. But I tell you what, what we'll find in our text, if we're not careful, you and I will allow this charismatic mentality to creep into our life that if we'll just get saved and we'll turn our back on the world and we'll sell out to God and live for the Lord like it's some built-in shield, that if we'll just live right and do right, that, friend, that we're not going to have any difficulties, there's not going to be any tribulation, there's not going to be any persecution. Oh, but, friend, that is just not so. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, y'all ask Job and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. You all ask David. Daniel, you ought to ask Elijah, you ought to ask Elisha, you ought to ask the Lord Jesus, friend. Uh, but can I tell you what will happen uh, sometimes when that difficulty comes, uh, sometimes when that tribulation comes, uh, if we're not careful, we'll get to thinking uh, of the Lord's holding out on us, uh, or man, we deserve better than this, uh, or Lord, don't you know what I've done for you, uh, and shouldn't you be treating me better than this? Uh, or can I say it the way that Brother Earl Hughes said it years ago? Uh, he said anything short of dying and going to hell is a blessing of God. Amen. If we got what we deserved, you and I be in the charred walls of the damned tonight begging for the mercy of God. But instead, we're sitting on a church pew listening to the beautiful music and enjoying the fellowship. I'm telling you, friend, I deserve judgment. I deserve the wrath of God. And may I say to you, it was a glad day when the grace of God showed up in my life. And can I tell you as we look into this story, uh, uh, friend, can I tell you this? Uh, uh, listen, I want you to think about this. Nobody uh, ever said that it'd be easy to serve God uh, in this story. We're not talking about a bus kid for the first time. Uh, uh, we're not talking about a first time visitor. Uh, uh, we're not talking about a Christian uh, that just has been saved. Uh, uh, we're talking about the man who the greatest doctrines of the Bible uh, were revealed to the second coming of the Gospels of the, and the mission of the church of the gospel of the grace of God and the second coming and all that goes with it but this is a man who finds himself shipwrecked and stranded and shackled and striped and snake bit but he does not quit he doesn't quit can I say this to you you may not be able to keep people from seeing you struggle but you can keep people from seeing you quit. Amen. Thank God for preachers that have got discernment that you can put your Sunday best on and, and you can come in here, but he can sense when your bottom's dragging the ground. He can sense when your spirit's low. Man, after 21 years of pastoring our church, Miss Jen, I, I, I don't mean this to be facetious, but, but I, I, I mean, I've been to the pastor of some of these folks for 21 years. I can tell how some of the ladies fix their hair if it's been a good day. 
I'm not, I mean, I'm not being ugly, but I mean, really, if it's thrown together and man, they got up and it's curled. It, I mean, that's some, some, some of them come to church with some mad hair because it's been teased all morning long. Amen. Amen. They must have started the night before. Amen. But aren't you glad for folks that you love and care for and men of God that it's more than just a platform, but they want to make a difference in the church. You may hide it from this one, but boy, I'll tell you what, if you've got a discerning man of God somewhere along the way, he'll see. He'll see when you struggle. You may keep everybody else, but you won't keep it from your spouse. Mom and dads, you probably won't be able to keep it from your children. Children, you won't be able to keep it from your parents. And can I say somewhere down the road, there are going to be folks that see you struggle. But would to God some of us would say, hey, you may see me struggle, but something I don't ever want you to see me do is fold up my tent, drop my colors, turn my back on the house of God. Oh, God, help us not to quit in this hour. I mean, boy, they're turning their back on truth. And they're running to other places. If our young people in our churches need to see anything, when it gets difficult, when it gets hard, when, man, we start getting criticized, they don't need to see us get a bad spirit. They don't want to see us turn. And on everything we've ever told them the truth, I'm telling you, Paul got bent, but Paul didn't quit. Florida, help me. For about four and a half hours, I want to preach on I got bit, but I didn't quit. Don't worry. I weigh too much to preach that long. Amen. Just back in the fall, Brother Chris, I was at a meeting. And if I called, if I called two of these young people's name, you would know them intimately. I sat in that meeting and I, I watched a young preacher's daughter with some baby children. Husband went crazy. Married what was supposed to be a preacher. Husband's gone crazy. Everybody okay? Let me just say this to you young people. You can marry in the will of God and it still come apart. You say, why? Because you and your husband are flesh and if you don't stay close to God, it can come apart at any time. Amen. I looked on the other side, Brother Kendry, and there was a young preacher boy married another young lady from a great family come out of a great church, sitting in that same meeting on the other side of the church just weeping. He crawled to an altar. His wife left and decided she didn't want to be married anymore. I'm not talking about a 50-year-old saint of God. I'm talking about a 23-year-old and a 22-year-old. Are you listening? Most of what for most adults that happened to them that have said, man, if this is what the Christian life is, I'm out. But you know what I watched them do for a week? I watched them go to an altar and lay on altars and weep. 
I watched them go to there and pray. I watched folks get around them and lay on them and hug them and love them. I watched them go to there and pray alone. I watched them when the choir would sing, the hands would go up. You say, what are you saying, preacher? Hey, friend, I can't fix that hurt. There's only one man that can do that. But can I tell you the respect that I have for those? I mean, man, you talk about getting bit, friend. They got bit. But they were still on a church pew. They were still worshiping God. But they were still showing up for church. I mean, good night this morning. I know it's 2023. And our generation's like every generation before. It's never been this bad before. But can I tell you the same grace of God that's got every generation through before us is the same grace of God, Brother Ben, that'll get you and your family up the road and will meet the needs, Brother Kendrick. I'm telling you, we may get bit, but you don't have to quit. Notice quickly. I want you to notice quickly the shipwreck that brought them. Well, Acts 27 talks about that shipwreck. Well, Brother Willard liked that verse, the first part of Acts 27, where it said that the ship was called up and he couldn't bear up in the wind, so he let her drive. Amen. He said, well, just how many of you old timers remember the throttles on the car that you pulled out? You remember that? Not, not in the floor. Brother Wheeler said years ago in that old mill village of Gainesville, he said, he said, we got an old car that looked like a tank. Said six of us grown boys was in there and said at the end of this road there's a deep curve. He said, we wanted to see how fast that we could make it through that curve. He said, so we all got in there and got to going. He said, we pulled the throttle out and we bent it down. He said, that way we couldn't back off the accelerator. He said we went through that curve. He said needless to say that ship of a car did not get turned and we went end over end over end out there. He said but there's one thing about it. We didn't back off. Amen. What can I tell you? Listen we're too close home. We're too close home to back off. I'm telling you there was a ship. There was an unseen hand that transported him. We're talking about a 500 mile trip and there were so many places that that ship would have come apart before they got to Malta, a friend that had been out in the wild blue of the sea and would have died. But can I tell you, without the aid of a Garmin, without the aid of computers, without the aid of any kind of navigational equipment of our day, what about the fact in a 500 mile journey, God dropped them off at the right place. God got them to where they needed to be. Paul said there's not going to be any loss of life. He said, but how be it? We must be cast upon a certain island. Aren't you glad God knows where you need to be uh, where you need to be uh, when you need to be there uh, and who you need to be there with I'm glad the gifts of a good man are ordered by the Lord I'm glad the storms of a good man are ordered by the Lord I'm glad the stops of a good man are ordered by the Lord there was a storm that transported them amen how many times do we fight the storm Ships get blown on the rocks. Saints get blown to the rock. When's the last time you just shouted about the waves that blew you to the rock? Let's be honest with you. If most of us wasn't in a storm, most of us wouldn't seek him out. 
Amen. We get comfortable. We get lackadaisical. We get at ease in Zion. And if it wasn't for those storms, we wouldn't be at an altar. We wouldn't be humble. We wouldn't be seeking the Lord. I'm talking about there was an unseen hand that transported them. Number two, look at your Bible. The Bible said they showed us no little kindness. Not only was there an unseen hand that transported them, but there was an unexpected kindness that touched them. 276 smelly, soaked sailors pulled up on an island. The Bible said they showed us no little kindness. If barbarous folks, the reason they're called barbarous is they didn't speak the same language as the ones on that ship. But if they could show sinners that kind of kindness, how much more should we show sinners kindness? Amen. It's almost like with somebody, I tell you, it's probably an indictment on us in our churches that everybody here looks like us. Indictment on my church. You say, what are you talking about? Could it be if we really love sinners like we ought to, there'd be somebody in here that didn't look like us? They might have a tattoo up the neck, might have an earring in their ear. Might not be dressed right. I'm not talking about keeping doing that, but I'm talking about that's the way they come. We've made a lot of we've made a lot of pro, we've made a lot of proselytes trying to clean them before we catch them. Can I get a witness? Amen. I'm talking about, but they showed them no little kindness. Who was it that showed you kindness before you got saved? Who was it that took you under their wing? Who was it at the job? Who was it in the family? Oh, that man, when you were going the other direction as hard as you could go, or man, your mouth was filled with cursings, and your liquor, your breath smelled like liquor, or man, there was sin in your life, but somebody dissing, when you were trying to push them away, they just put their arm around you and loved you the more, and showed you some kindness. Thank God for some Christians that showed us no little kindness. How many of you know the name Lance Carpenter? Well, the preacher that I'm about to tell you about told us, told Brother Mark Wheeler about this incident. If I call the preacher's name, you'd know him and you'd know him. He said, man, he had made some mistakes. Man, he was hiding from everybody. He made some real mistakes in his ministry. The city was just working. He was working some handyman jobs trying to keep his head down because he had messed up really bad. And he said, Brother Lance, boy, he was gifted to make people want to worship with him. I've watched him sit down with, I've, I've watched him sit down with kids that could barely make a G chord on a guitar. He'd make them feel like they were the greatest musicians he'd ever sat down on a platform with before it was over. Oh, Brother Lance called his preacher. He said, Brother so-and-so, he said, what are you doing today? He said, well, I'm working this little job. He said, hey, won't you go to meeting with me tonight? I'm coming through your town. Won't you go to meeting with me? The preacher said, Brother Lance, I'm just not ready for that. He said, one reason I'm working this job is so I can be by myself and I don't have to be around other people. He said, I'm embarrassed and I'm ashamed. Brother Lance said, well, if you won't go with me, I'll be by the house shortly. He pulled up in that big van, walked around the back, opened them back doors on that van. I've unloaded it several times, Brother Wesley. That little amp and that 12-string, that's better than better than having to carry some of Man, the Doucette's worth the half price. Man, they had a bus full of stuff, praise God. I, I started to help them. I said, man, let me go get some young men to help you. Amen. Amen. 
He said he showed up, knocked on the door, and he had that guitar in his hand. He said he walked in there, Brother David said, sat down on the couch, and he, he unclicked those, those little latchets on that, on that 12-string guitar, and he sat down and started hitting some chords and started singing. And it wasn't a minute he told that preacher who's a phenomenal singer. He said, won't you sing this line? And they'd sing a little bit, and Brother Lance would pick a little bit, and then he'd get on another one and say, hey, why don't you sing a line of this one? And that preacher said, before I knew it, Brother Lance had me singing in my living room. He said, man, it had been a while. He said, I wonder if I'd ever get to sing again. He said, but that saint of God just stopped by and got that guitar out. And he said, before I knew it, the song was welling up in my spirit. And uh, he said that brother, he said, brother Lance went on to church and, and a day or so later is coming back. He said, hey, are you home? That preacher said, yeah. He said, well, I'll be there in a minute. And Brother Tim, Brother Tim, he said, Brother Lance rang the doorbell and said he came to the door. And Brother Lance reached his hand in and gave that man the love offering that they gave give him at the place he'd been. He said, no, no, you don't. He said, no, you have to take it up at the Lord. He said, the Lord told me to do this. And can I tell you, that man has been restored. He's, the God has put him back to doing what he was called to do. Uh, can I tell you why? Because one Christian uh, took a little time to go show a little kindness, uh, to go show a little love. Aren't you glad for the shipwreck? The shipwreck that brought them. Number two, quickly, the situation that burdened them. Look at your Bible. The Bible said because of the present rain and because of the cold. See, it wasn't just the shipwreck that brought them. There's a situation that burdened them. Let me ask you something. What's come into your life that's burdened you. You say, preacher, do you know where I'm at? You better believe I do. I've been nervous all day long. It's a wonder I didn't get a speeding ticket coming down here. I get nervous thinking about it, and then I look down, I'll be doing 85 miles an hour. Amen. You say, well, why are you nervous? If you've got to ask me that, you don't know where you're at. Amen. What's come in your life that's burdened you? You can go to the greatest church in America and sit under the greatest, greatest men of God and right there hearing truth like people dream about hearing, life will happen. And all of a sudden, because of the present rain and because of the cold, all of a sudden you're in a situation that burdens you. You know what can happen to you sitting here in the greatest preaching in the country? I mean, have you heard a better message than Job had no Bible? I, I, Jen, I told preacher not too long ago, we were at Tony Shirley's preaching. I said, I appreciate you making me feel like I've never opened my Bible. It's a real blessing. Amen. And the sycamine tree. He preached that last week at your place. I heard that for the second time. Are you listening to me? And hearing that truth. Hearing that word of God be thrown out like chunks of meat. Can I tell you what will happen? Your life, it'll still rain in your life. And it still gets cold in your life. I'm talking about if you're not careful, you'll be like the Apostle Paul. You'll find yourself in a place where you're overwhelmed by the present conditions. The present conditions. Well, look at verse 3. There's some advantageous counsel. If you're not careful, you'll miss a word in verse 3. What did it say that those people, those barbarous people did with that fire? They did what? 
What'd they do with that fire? Look at your Bible, verse 3. Tell me, kindled? If you're not careful, you'll think they built a fire. The Bible didn't say they built one. The Bible said they kindled one. Now, y'all don't have to build many fires in Florida. But in the mountains, it gets cold. It was like six degrees the other day. It don't ever get that cold in the mountains much. When you think the word kindle, that's not build, that's add a lot. That's not start one, that's stoke one. What about the fact, Brother, brother Floor? They didn't have to build a fire when they got there. There was already one burning. But they kindled one. Can I tell you what? We're living in a day, Brother Floor, I believe with all my heart. I don't know much about Presbyterians, and I don't know much about Methodists, and I don't know much about Catholics, but we spend about every night of our life with Independent Baptist. Am I telling it right? Brother Davidson, what, I, what I'm seeing is most people in our churches get their blessing by proxy. You say, what do you mean? Well, old brother so-and-so gets happy, so you get happy. Sister so-and-so gets full, so you get full. Oh, the preacher gets happy while he's preaching, and you feel stirred. When's the last time you got happy by yourself? When's the last time you weren't waiting on somebody else to testify? You weren't waiting on somebody else to worship. You weren't waiting on somebody else to shout. You weren't waiting on somebody else to start an offering. But you got full and you did it first. You got your own blessing. It was a glad day in my preaching life when I realized I didn't have to have a choir. I didn't have to have a quartet. I didn't have to have a church service. I didn't even have to have the church building. I'm glad the Lord knows the address to my secret place. And when I lay that Bible open on my desk, it's like the Lord just steps off the pages and said, I'm here to fellowship with you. And when there's no deacon and when there's no evangelist and there's no pastor, oh, I can have church just me and him. Amen. Hey, youngins, have you ever got happy when mom and dad didn't? Or the youth director didn't? Or you weren't in a youth meeting? See, the good thing about it, I'm hurrying. The Lord doesn't expect you to start your fire. He does the starting. He started mine when I was 13 years old, about 12, 15 on a Sunday morning when I got born again. I like that kind of talk, saved, born again. Amen. I feel Brother Samuel, oh, yes, that's what he'd say. Amen, Brother Wesley. Every time I think about the Holy Ghost, I think about Brother Sammy. Amen. He'd say, Brother Mark, he said, tell me about when you got filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm not talking about a second blessing. I know I got all the Holy Ghost. I'm, I know that. Don't think I'm a heretic. But I remember when he got all of me. Amen. Amen. You know what you need to do? Paul. Here sits Paul. And, and preacher, there's 275 other men there that are alive because of Paul. That centurion would have killed them all. But the Bible said, willing to save Paul. 
Don't you know that Paul could have sat over and said, hey, guys, run out there and get some wood and put it on the fire. It's getting cold. Don't you know some of them other men would have jumped up and went and got a stick? You say, where's the counsel in it, preacher? Paul didn't tell somebody else to get the wood. He got up and got his own wood. You know what you ought to do this week in the Emerald Coast Jubilee? You ought to go get you a piece of wood. You ought to go get you an old-fashioned stick of praise. An old-fashioned stick of prayer, an old-fashioned stick of worship and say, you know, it's been burning low, the rain's been cold in the present condition. I think I'll just throw a stick on the fire. I think I'll throw my own stick on the fire. Can I tell you, there's three kinds of folk in every church. There's ones that start fires, there's ones that stir fires, and there's ones that stop fires. And if you're not one of the first two, you'll soon be one of the third group. Amen. Number three, and I'm done. I'm done. Get out of Brother Davidson's way. Number three. Can I say it this way? Verse three, look at the Bible. The Bible said a viper came out of the heat and fastened on his hand. Not just the shipwreck that brought him, the situation that burdened him. But what about the snake that bit him? Can I tell you something? I don't care how separated you are, and I believe you ought to be. I don't care, I don't care what you try to do for the work of God. If you're in it long enough, you're gonna get bit. How long have you been the pastor? 20, 28 years. And some of the ones that you've loved the most in 28 years are the ones that bit you the worst. Now, I know there's men, servants, evangelists, pastors here. And if you'd be honest, in this last year, there were vipers that came out of, the, out of the fire and bit you. See, snakes don't hibernate. It's called brumation. I live in the country. I live on a farm. And we see snakes, copperheads and rattlesnakes and just out the road from our house, my wife's cousin was walking down into his basement in early, in early April, stepped going down there barefoot and stepped on, stepped on the wooden step and jumped back. There's about a four and a half foot copperhead, about six inches in diameter, laying on that step. Now, it wouldn't have had to bit me; I'd have went to heaven right there. <laughs> I mean, I'm like Jerry Clower, friend. You say, what kind of snakes do you like? Graveyard dead snakes. My dad said, well, son, I used to keep, we, at the farm, we used to keep two king snakes in the corn crib. I said, daddy, I ain't got a corn crib. <laughs> he said, well, them king snakes are good. I said, I'm not getting close enough to figure out what kind it is. I said, that's why they make guns. Amen. Amen. And he jumped back. Preacher, he jumped back and looked. And that snake's still laying there. See, the thing was, it was still too cold. For, they're cold-blooded and they lay there and not be active. Can I tell you what? The same fire that was keeping Paul warm is the same fire that brought that snake to life. Yep. See, I believe that snake was in that, that wood that he picked up, and when he cast it on the fire, it woke that snake up, and that snake bit him. 
Think about a viper when they, when they latch on to you. As long as they're latched on to you, they're pumping you full of venom. I wonder, Brother Kendrick, after all these years of evangelism, you and your precious wife, I, I, I wonder if I looked at that hand right there, if I wouldn't see some little pin marks where some vipers have bit you along the way. Brother Fallor, you've been at it a long time. If I come back there to see your hand, I'd probably see some places where some vipers came out and bit you. Do you know what we do a lot of times? We'll come to meetings like this. Brother Ron, instead of exalting the Lord, we want to show everybody our viper. And to be honest with you, our viper becomes our identity. And instead of shaking it off, we caress it. Good little rattlesnake. I saw on the paper the other day, maybe Fox News, somebody tried to take a python or a boa constrictor on an airplane as a, like, not like a service animal, but a emotional support. They wouldn't have to have no emotional support if they sat down an airplane with a python. I'd kill them. They wouldn't feel nothing, praise God. Y'all pray for me. I'd put them in the baggage compartment. Amen. I mean, God, help us. Amen. Emotional support. Let it squeeze the life out of them. They won't feel nothing. But isn't it about how we do with our bites? How about it, Brother Ben, all them years on the road, Brother Burke, all them years? Well, we want to say, hey, man, did you see where I got bit? Hey, look here. Well, look how big that thing is. Man, look how I'm swole up. Aren't we that way? Paul made a choice to shake it off. Listen to me. When I'm done preaching, I'll get out of the way. The same fire that brought the viper alive would be the same fire that destroyed it when Paul shook it off. And some of us have got bit. It's raining in our life. And some of us, it's been a while since her hand wasn't swollen and her arm wasn't aching. Won't you just tonight, the first meeting of the, of the week, just say, we'll shake it off. We'll shake it off. I'm done right here. They said in Texas years ago, Texas years ago, a mule fell in an old abandoned well. Large well, deep. They fell down in there and they called the, they called the authorities, Brother Davidson, they couldn't, the, the wall of that well was too unstable to put somebody down in there to try to get that, put a harness on that mule to pull him out. So they just decided, hey, we're not going to be able to get him out. We'll just, We'll just bury him alive. Brother Kendrick, so they started getting front end loaders and started dumping dirt by the bucket load on that mule. And they'd drop a front end loader of that dirt on that mule, and that mule would shake that dirt off and stomp it down. And that tractor would come again and dump another load on that mule. He, he, you, I mean, I live on a farm. I watch horses do that and cows do that. 
And they'd shake it off and that old mule stomp it down. And the bucket, same thing over and over and over again. That old mule shake it off and stomp it down. And shake it off and stomp it down. Until finally they had filled that well up. And that mule walked out. Can I tell you what? The world wants to bury you alive. Can I tell you this? There, it's a long way for some of us from where we are to get where the Lord wants us to do. And listen to me. The devil's not in a hurry to get you. He's going to try to bite you. He's going to try to break you back with that wood. Wood to God, some of us tonight, instead of showing everybody our viper, just shake it off. And man, if you feel like it's just caving in on you, won't you do like the old mule and just shake it off and stomp it down and shake it off and stomp it down. You may be struggling and folks in your family may know, but why don't you say tonight you may see me struggle. But children, I tell you what you ought not to want to see your mom and dad do is quit. Mom and dad, you may not be the best Christian. You may never preach. You may never sing. But if you can just stay the course, if your kids can just not see you quit, a oh, preacher, you may not be the greatest preacher. You may not be the most fiery evangelist, but I'd say don't let your church see you quit. Dad, don't let your spouse see you quit. Singers, don't let your church see you quit. You might have got bit. Just don't quit. 